The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. These are very familiar sounding words for most of us, evocative words, often associated with one particular setting today, the funeral or memorial service. And of course, it's very appropriate that we make this profoundly comforting psalm available during those raw times. Some of you have heard me say that this poetic spiritual gem has been a lifesaver for me. On a couple of crucial occasions over the decades, I have clung to it for dear life. It kept my head from slipping underwater. These words became a mantra, a constant prayer, an abiding friend. I learned them by heart until they became my breath itself. And over the years, I've suggested that you learn them too. I know it's no longer common for people to memorize much of anything these days beyond cell numbers and passwords, if you can. But I strongly encourage you to overcome any inhibitions you may have for a small project like this. You likely have the opportunity now. Find a Bible and start memorizing. It won't take that long. I make an ironclad promise that if you do this, you will be blessed more than you might think. For although these words have become attached to moments of death and dying, the truth is they actually address our life and living. So if you were to memorize this psalm, you will come to discover it gradually undergirding every moment of every day. This will happen by its slotting into the deepest place inside of you, much the way water inevitably runs to the lowest point. This is the proper spiritual location for this psalm, under everything else. That's because this psalm concerns our fundamental identity. In a sense, it's a naming poem. In the ancient imagery, a naming of shepherd and sheep, although the word sheep is never used. But then those are only the superficial identifiers. More deeply, it's a poem about ultimate matters. It names terra firma, the ground we walk upon, and it concerns our essential security in a wondrous but dangerous world where life can seem tenuous and fragile. It locates our true home. And here's where postmodern people often find great difficulty finally identifying who they really are, determining what has ultimate importance, where life derives its elemental energy, and then coming to understand the relative value of stuff and things in our overwhelmingly materialist and scatterbrained culture. We tend to spend a lot of energy on secondary rather than primary ends. We ask questions like, 
what pleases me most, or what do I feel like doing, or how much can I make? And these are all fine questions as far as they go. They just don't go very far. And the most fundamental question remains unasked. And this question inevitably invites consideration of faith. Faith that life has meaning and purpose and direction. And if it does, faith in the source of that meaning and purpose. Given that I had nothing whatsoever to do with my being born, and will inevitably have to die. Can I be secure that my days on earth mean something? It makes good sense why we encounter this psalm at funerals. Death has a way of awakening us, sometimes in a startling manner, to the shallowness of our normal thinking. The Lord is my shepherd then takes on an immediately supportive function at those times. But for those who have already allowed these words to seep deeply into their hearts and souls, fortifying their foundation into a diamond hardness, this psalm will feel like the quiet breathing as they fall off to sleep on a still and peaceful night, knowing that come what may, they are held in the everlasting arms of God with whom they dwell secure their whole life long. They understand Paul when he says that Nothing in life or in death will be able to separate us from God's great love. We spoke about those everlasting arms on Easter Sunday. They will know these words are all about living, confident, hopeful living. They will know in their bones this psalm names the truth. And the truth is that the Lord is our shepherd. This Lord protects, restores, and remains with us all the days of our lives. God is the source. God provides. God sustains. No one, nothing else. In this sense, this is a psalm about trust, trusting God. And this brings us to our biggest problem. In order to trust God, we must relinquish our grip on ultimate control. Notice this poem says nothing about our thinking or our talent at manipulating things and stuff to suit our whim. It's all about God. God is to be trusted utterly. Now that's the way it must be, of course, if God is, because that defines what is finally true. Until we get this right, it stands to reason that much of the time we'll feel our feet are never quite set upon a path that's going any place that really matters. Importantly, it's also true that the faith and trust to which this psalm points cannot be coerced. If it could be coerced, it wouldn't be faith and trust. Instead, we'd be talking about fear. Coercion counts on fear as an ally, a necessary ally. Faith and trust can only be received in the manner of a gift. Some 20 years ago, as the first dot-com boom was imploding, I clipped a story from the Wall Street Journal about two young founders of an early internet mega-hit that crashed and burned. I was reminded of their story this week when one of them showed up briefly in a random info stream I was tracking. He had been reborn as an actor and producer. Their company began in the now cliched college dorm room 
and went public in 1998 with the biggest first-day IPO price in history up to that time. Lots bigger ones since. But in that one day, they each came to hold a $75 million fortune in a company that in one 24-hour period became valued at $1 billion. Like I said, this was the first deal of its kind at the time. They became fixtures of talk shows and news features. During their short peak period, CNN produced a segment in which one of the duo was captured hopping the New York nightclub scene where he danced on a table in shiny black pants with his then model girlfriend and quipped, got the girl, got the money, now I'm ready to live a disgusting, frivolous life. Well, within two years, the bottom had fallen out of their project, their value reduced to next to nothing, and were shortly forced out of the business altogether. The one-time nightclub sensation said, this is all I've ever known, the internet and the mania. It's scary. I basically had a midlife crisis when I was 26. Well, amidst the rubble of our current cultural and economic moment, their story actually has a sort of irritating quality, even as it begs the question of what makes for a life focused on the things that matter most while we are facing enormous social disruption, unprecedented unemployment, and the exposure of a massively unjust inequality of access to basic life support systems singed by historic systemic racism, not to mention the accumulating death by virus totals. What's it all about after all is said and done? Where is our anchor, our harbor, our lighthouse? Compared to technological zooming razzmatazz, the quaint words of the 23rd Psalm sound what? Out of step? You know, from an alternate universe? They speak of quiet meadows and a shepherd who is utterly trustworthy. They tell the human story in a starkly different manner than contemporary models. They establish different starting and ending points from our cultural norms. Yet centuries of accumulating experience tell us that these words are fully absorbed, that if these words are fully absorbed, they allow our lives to conform to the underlying order of things. The tumblers unlocking the secret of life fall into place. And sequestered away as we are, maybe this wondrous poem has fresh opportunity to capture our imagination. And friends, what a relief to finally come to rest on the most secure foundation there is. All the flapping and flopping around in our lives can simply stop. Now this faith and trust does not relieve us of great difficulties and hard choices, but it does provide the hope that drives us confidently into the future, knowing for certain the direction of our true 
home.